You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast number 32 in our long series that has occurred since this past spring, focusing very much on the four major asteroids, Pallas, Athena, Ceres, Juno, and Vesta. And right now, it is January the 15th of 2020, and the last thing I thought I'd be doing tonight is another podcast because I was prepared to do a fourth podcast concerning the killing of um, the Iranian general, Qasim Soleimani. That was a three-part series, our our podcast 29, 30, and 31, that followed a three-part series on the astrology of Star Wars, the secret power of Star Wars, um, from something I had written in Welcome to Planet Earth, our astrology magazine from 27 years ago. There's still more I'd like to share on that. What's happening is that this, I'm calling this particular podcast Astrology of Lev Parnas, Rachel Maddow, and Juno. And I've just been doing all this research tonight. Uh, People who are on the right wing of the political spectrum, people who listen to Fox News, they don't see a person like Rachel Maddow, who is now a best-selling author. They uh, They don't see her rather clearly. I mean, she's been doing some remarkable work at MSNBC and... um, of course, people on the left side uh, may revere her a lot, and I find her uh, very illuminating. I don't always watch her show. But I saw yesterday when there was one of those debates on CNN that Rachel Maddow had somehow been able to get a uh, an interview with Lev Parnas. Lev Parnas is the indicted associate or one of the indicted associates of Rudy Giuliani, who has been working, shall we say, behind the scenes, no longer really behind the scenes, relative to the whole situation with President Zelensky and Ukraine and trying to get dirt on the Bidens, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, his son Hunter Biden, who um, was on the board of this gas company called Burisma. So, uh, of course, we're not going to get into all of that right now and all the do's and don'ts and highs and lows of that. And of course, through the whole political spectrum, everybody's got their particular views of what's the truth and who's lying and so on. What what I want to reveal tonight is something that I've been revealing a whole lot of since May, the power of the four main asteroids, in particular that Eleanor Bach, the great astrologer who brought us the first asteroid ephemeris back in 1973. If you go back to my first 17 podcasts, which were on Pallas Athena, I, I shared all those podcasts because I discovered that in the United States birth chart that we use here um, at the Cosmic Calendar and Great Bear Enterprises and for 20 20 years at Welcome to Planet Earth magazine, um, that chart is for the Declaration of Independence. You can can read more about the chart that that I've used, uh, particularly in the astrology of America's destiny, although we refined the time a little bit later It's a chart that has Sagittarius rising, but it uses the sun, moon, and planets from July 4th of 1776 
and I've explained why this is so powerful of a chart. Now, one thing we didn't know about this kind of chart, and bringing up Eleanor Bach again, who brought us the asteroid ephemeris in 1973, so that we could start charting Ceres, the largest asteroid, and then Pallas Athena, the second asteroid to be discovered, and then Juno, as well as Vesta. These asteroids, as I've explained in those first 17 podcasts from May and June of the summer, in our Mark Lerner Astrology Astroscope section at Grape Enterprises, these asteroids were discovered between 1801 and 1807. They were all discovered during Thomas Jefferson's uh, time in the White House. I've shared about the Louisiana Purchase. I've shared about the power of the asteroids, um, particularly Pallas Athena and Venus and the moon and all kinds of goddess positions for Thomas Jefferson. Um, there's so much in terms of what we call mundane or earth astrology, the astrology of the nation, the astrology of world leaders. This has been one of the main areas of my study in 47 years of doing astrology. So uh, there are going to be lots of people, and particularly tomorrow. Well, first of all, let me go backwards a little bit. Um, Rachel Maddow aired today the first part of a two-part interview. Now, some of the segments started appearing earlier today on some of the other shows, and then the whole interview, in case any of you really want to watch Rachel Maddow, uh, on the West Coast, we, we get to see it uh, 6 p.m. for an hour, and then it repeats at 9 p.m. on MSNBC. So again, let me, let me be clear here. Um, what happened with this person, Lev Parnas, um, who's an indicted associate of, of uh, Rudy Giuliani, investigating or trying to get dirt on the Bidens and this whole furor that's been going on for months now. Um, this person has been looked into, well, let me put it this way, according to Rachel Matter tonight, uh, they've been trying to get this interview for a really long time. What I didn't know, because uh, I'd heard about this person, I wasn't following it in particular. I've been following so many other major stories because we have so many of them around the world to cover by podcast and in our Astro Flash section at Great Bear Enterprises, in our Global Hotspot section, uh, our Earth Aquarius News section. So there's so many different areas about the world, about new moons and full moons and eclipses and all these major stories nationally and internationally we're covering at Great Bear Enterprises. And I'd heard his name mentioned, and I knew he was indicted as part of this whole scam or this whole scandal regarding Ukraine. And, but what I, I was surprised as I, I started to watch the show tonight. So this is only in the past couple hours. I went to the Wikipedia. I, well, actually, what I went to is what we call Safari on my iPhone. And I just typed in his name and there was a birthday for him, which I was a bit surprised about. February 6th of 1972. Wow. Hey, okay. And I saw it in a couple of places, so I'm assuming that for this reading, it's an accurate date. Now, there is another person who's a uh, another person indicted. They didn't know his, his birthday in the Wikipedia, but they did know this person who was going to be on the show. So I did a chart. They said he was born in Odessa uh, in Ukraine. And uh, that chart appears, it's not his exact time because nobody knows his time at that at this point. In these kind of uh, situations, what, what I do is I create more of a sunrise or a sunrising type of chart. 
And so that is the chart that appears on Great Bear Enterprises in our Mark Astrology section for Lev Parnas. We'll get into that in a moment because this is part of the key to Juno. So first I, I did that and I was thinking, I wasn't even thinking to do a show, I mean a podcast, but then I started watching Rachel Maddow and hearing what the guy had to say. First of all, when I looked in the uh, Wikipedia, I found that as opposed to my previous thinking where I thought he was more either Ukrainian and somebody who wasn't necessarily an American, it turns out he came here when he was a young kid and he was educated, uh, whether it's Detroit and Brooklyn and different areas. And so when he was on the show, I was, I was thinking there was, was going to be a translator and it might be kind of an unusual thing and it was just going to be intriguing to watch. Instead, here's a person who speaks fluent English and his lawyer was right there for the entire interview. And again, this is only half of what this interview is. So in any other time, well, I don't want to get to, to the final results here because uh, for anyone on the left side of the political spectrum, this would be the so-called smoking gun uh, relative to the president, relative to the vice president, to Giuliani, to to uh, the attorney general Barr about who is in cahoots together with all of these different things. Now, from the right wing, it's going to be 100% denials. The guy is just simply lying. He's trying to. Uh, he's just artic- He wants his 15 minutes of fame. He's he's used Rachel Maddow. She's just a dupe, and so on and so forth. However, there's a lot of evidence that's coming along with this. There are notes that he wrote in Vienna. Um, there's all kinds of corresponding, I guess, voicemails and other kinds of things. And and part of this was turned over to the House, probably the Intelligence Committee, uh, by subpoena in some form or another, or voluntarily by he and his lawyer, I think, yesterday. And so it could be that after months of searching by Rachel Maddow to get this interview with this person, um, because she does a lot of amazing interviews. I mean, people on left, right, and center, they, they get different people for different reasons. And this is one of the persons she wanted to have. So we're going to get to the Juno part of this in a moment. It's not just Juno, but Juno is a big factor in all this, as you'll see in a moment. So I just want, I'm trying to share with you this sort of step-by-step unfoldment, because this is astrology in, in, this is how I've done astrology, I, I guess, from the, the world standpoint, the mundane astrology standpoint. I start with something, it's kind of a seed that happens. Oh, okay, this guy is going to be on. Well, do we know when he's born? Oh, wow, we do know when he's born, February 6, 1972. Okay, that's a starting point. Because we have the power of the sun, the moon, the planets, the asteroids, Chiron, the nodes, and so on. And even though we don't know the time, when, when you talk about things from a more national or international standpoint, I'm not saying it's unimportant to have the rising sign. And for a rising sign, we need to know the approximate time or the time of birth of an individual when an event starts. So I started with the Lev Parnas um, general chart, which appears on the website here with, with Podcast 32. And I'm listening to the show and I... I had been having a busy time. I just finished what we call the Cosmic Calendar, which I've been doing since 1981. We're now in our 39th year. It's available by subscription on the website. Throwing a plug in there because it's kind of the last thing I tend to do. I don't like being and doing advertising and marketing. Uh, it's not 
who I am and what I want to do. My, my goal in this life is to teach people about astrology, particularly world astrology, but I've also done thousands of consultations and all kinds of other writing and research over the decades. So I'm, I'm trying to have dinner. I'm watching the show. I am thinking of the other podcasts, not this, that I need and want to do. And again, particularly because uh, tomorrow, uh, which is Thursday, January 16th, uh, quickly the Senate is going to begin the process of having senators take oaths. Uh, Supreme Court uh, Justice uh, John Roberts will be administering that. He, he, he and his chart are incredibly important relative to the unfoldment of events in 2020. Um, I'll share more about that. I've already shared about his chart relative to the United States and to President Trump, but I'm going to share more about that in the days ahead. Um, So that's all happening tomorrow in the midst of this whole thing. I'm watching Rachel Maddow, and I don't even know that tomorrow, which now I realize she's going to have part two of this interview. And then I started thinking, okay, if if I'm going to actually articulate anything about Lev Parnas, who's the other person involved with this? Well, it's Rachel Maddow. And I pretty much remember that her birth time was known and quickly looked up and I had it in my files, but I also saw it validated on uh, uh, one of the, the websites out there that, that has major you know, famous people and so on. So then I looked at her chart and now both of those charts are out here, I mean, on my website. And of course, what's, what's happening basically is that um, the charts for the President of the United States, for Rudy Giuliani, for Vice President Pence, for um, Attorney General Barr, I've shared about these different people in many ways. So I don't want to get lost in that shuffle. So what I'm going to do here is focus for a moment about Juno. So I get everything out about Juno. And then you'll see why I'm doing this. So my hope here is if you've stayed with me this far, which is only about 10, 12 minutes, what I'm trying to articulate here, what I've been articulating fundamentally in the first 31 of these podcasts, one of the main things that started happening was the United States' secondary progressed son and the United States' secondary progressed palace Athena came into a conjunction. And that happened this past spring summer at 15 degrees of Pisces. And so I started articulating through the Mueller report and all the different things that happened with that about the power of knowledge and wisdom and justice and many of the different palace Athena themes. And this led me back to Eleanor Bach, who created the first asteroid ephemera so we could start using the main asteroids that were discovered in the early 1800s. And then I found other kinds of examples of the power of asteroids, and not just asteroids, all kinds of unusual events. But it seems like very often the asteroids keep coming up. And part of the reason is that in our society, in America, we have not allowed women, we have not allowed minorities, and now what's happening with with immigration, with the, the current administration, with everything at the border and trying to deny different people their rights, whether it's the LBGT community and so on, or um, people trying to come here who have been hurt and wounded, um, or poor um, from Central America and South America and wherever it may be. And so now we're having this whole crisis. And this is not to say 
only one view is correct or, and, and everybody else is wrong, that the left is right or the right is, is right and so on. But it is obviously a crisis. The question is, we know that America is supposed to be a melting pot. Okay, that's one thing. Um, Statue of Liberty, all kinds of people from around the world making America one great country at the same time. Can we be the world's policemen? And can we end the process as President Trump has said, hey, you know, we're not letting these people in anymore. He's basically closing the door of, of what America has always been for various reasons, because of Christianity versus uh, Islam, because of North versus South, or the the desire for white supremacy over uh, mixed races and so on. There's so many different levels of what are current crisis and a kind of uh, increasing civil war socially, economically, politically, not so much the same thing as in the 1860s, but something that is alarming a lot of people. And we've shared about it astrologically, as I'm sure other astrologers on other podcasts have about Pluto coming back. And I've mentioned it before. I've mentioned it several times because of Pluto cycle of 247 years and the United States being born in 1776. That means in 2022 to 23, we're going to have three returns of Pluto. Pluto is a planet of plutocracy. We've got plutocrats in the government. We've got Donald Trump as a plutocrat. Um, we almost had a plutocrat back in the Perot time period when he was running against Clinton and Bush number one in 1992-1996, but his bid failed. And now we have plutocrats in the government. Uh, Betsy DeVos, we've got Steven Mnuchin, um, Wilbur, I'm not going to remember his name, uh, Ross, yeah, I guess I did remember his name, Pres President Trump, and so on. There's a lot of billionaires going on here. And in fact, we've got the situation in the Democratic Party, Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg, who's not really a Democrat, who's a Republican and independent. And what the Supreme Court did a number of years ago by allowing all kinds of moneyed interests to come in and muck up the whole situation. So we've this actually relates a lot to Juno. So let's talk a little bit about Juno. Juno is the smallest of the first four asteroids to be discovered. And of course, you can go online. There's many wonderful um, astrologers now who have articulated about the power of Juno, as well as Ceres, Pallas, Athena, um, and Vesta. Uh, and I've shared before, uh, Demetra George's great work, Asteroid Goddesses, and so much of her wonderful research. Zipporah Dobbins, another great researcher, and so many other people. And if I start mentioning names, then other people will be offended that I didn't mention them. But of course, to me, it's Eleanor Bach, because that's how I started in 1973 in New York City in the Chelsea area around 23rd Street. And she was a remarkable woman. And she had just come out with the, the, the hardcover asteroid ephemeris. By the way, just recently, a wonderful person, I, I got something in the mail and it was an original copy from 1973. And I had actually lost my copy of, of her book. So that's something often wonderful happens because I'm on coast to coast radio often. I've been on there Fortunately, I feel very grateful to them for having me on about 25 times or so since 2004 to be able to share about Monday in Astrology. So one of the series of podcasts after articulating about Pallas Athena and its various meanings, which you can see in podcasts 1 through, through 17, 
I discovered or learned that we were having three Vesta returns, and I've shared a lot about Vesta in Taurus in the United States birth chart. For instance, Nancy Pelosi has Vesta with our Vesta, as well as Venus and Uranus. So she's basically, if we look at it from an astrological viewpoint and not from a political viewpoint, she is one of the great soul sisters. We'd have to say, even though Hillary Clinton was, um, as the wife of, of Bill Clinton, first lady, and almost uh, won the presidency, except she didn't get enough electoral votes, you have to look at Nancy Pelosi, regardless of your political views, as the most powerful woman politically in the history of the United States. And she still is. And there she is as one of the three powerful governmental leaders. We've got three people right now, which is a triangle of influences. John Roberts from the Supreme Court, and he's going to now take a more visible role uh, than he's ever had before. Tremendous pressure on him. And so that's why his chart and his cycles will become increasingly important. Nancy Pelosi and President Trump. So these are the three power figures and we one of them is a woman. But tonight, Rachel Maddow, whether you like her or not, what struck me was the extraordinary situation here, and this is where Juno is going to come in in a moment. Um, sorry, what I, I want to go back for a moment. I did a podcast, two podcasts about the United States Vesta coming back in the sign Taurus. So let me finish that thought. And that's, I don't remember the numbers of them, but you can find them in Mark Lerner Astrology. And that's still happening. We've had two out of three Vesta returns in Taurus, and the next one is happening in May. And this is part of the reason why I got excited tonight about the power of Juno, which we'll see in a moment. So tonight, to me, um, Rachel Maddow is, is the most powerful, not just woman, but person in America, which is very interesting to me. If you give her a fair treatment, and that's part of the importance of what Libra, uh, Juno and Libra actually rep represents, um, fair treatment under the law. Uh, Fox News uses this term that everybody, uh, from their standpoint, thinks is true and accurate, uh, but from the left, it always seems a mockery of what they really do. They say fair and balanced. This has been their their code line or uh, about Fox News, fair and balanced. That is very much in uh, a Libra quality, okay, if one is working with Libra accurately. It's also a Juno quality when Juno's working well. And by the way, as I've said before, the president of the United States has more planets in, in Libra than anywhere else. And if you go back to, a, in fact, he has Juno conjunct Chiron in Libra right on the United States Saturn. I've shared this before. He also has Jupiter stationary in Libra, and he also has Neptune within two days of a station Libra. He has more celestial bodies in Libra than anywhere else. And if you go back to the primaries when he was running, against all the Republicans, and he kept on saying, I'm going to bolt, I'm going to bolt. If you don't treat me fairly, if you don't treat me fairly, everything, and that's why he, this is where he gets up, he gets the whole thing of witch hunt and hoax. Um, in his mind, in his consciousness, somehow, and maybe this goes back to his childhood, it goes back to maybe his father picking on him or something or other when he was a kid, and I grew up in the same borough of Queens four years after him, so... Um, there's, there's a lot of history. You can read up on his childhood, what he did, what his, his father sent him to military school, the different kinds of things that happened. 
But nevertheless, um, there's something in the Libra energy field, particularly when you have a lot of Libra, in his case, a lot, uh, and how his chart connects more powerfully than any other presidential chart I've ever seen to the United States birth chart from July 4th of 1776. It's part of the reason he beat Hillary Clinton. It's part of the reason all of this is happening and that we don't know where all of this is going to be going. But what we do know is that two of the planets, which are very powerful, are Jupiter and Juno that he has not moving, and anything stationary in a birth chart is extra strong for good or for ill, okay? And then he has Juno with Chiron at 14 plus of Libra, and I've shared before, it's the United States Saturn. It's also the rising de degree from the World Trade Center, which is where Mercury was at that particular time. And it's also the square of Sun, sun to Saturn back in early October, which I just finished sharing about. I'm laughing, but it's at the, the quarter moon cycle from early October when he and, and Erdogan, the president of Turkey, made this agreement on the phone allowing, allowing Turkey to go in in an incursion in Northeast Syria against the Kurds who are uh, allies fighting against ISIS. And so what I've been trying to articulate here is not like, oh, Trump is a bad guy because he's a bad guy, or Barr is bad because he's, whatever he's doing, because he's supporting Trump. It's the astrology, and often it's the astrology of asteroids, as well as things like the quarter moon cycle, what I call phase angle astrology, or all these unusual kind of things. And in order to figure these things out, it's kind of like a, What's happening tonight? It's like one piece of a puzzle, then another piece of the puzzle. So it's when I su suddenly looked at Rachel Maddow's chart, as well as Lev Parnas, and realizing, hey, these two people are coming together tonight, and then they're going to be coming together tomorrow. In the meantime, in Washington, um, uh, Nancy Pelosi and these different House managers are bring brought over the impeachment articles, and then they were accepted in the Senate, and then tomorrow there's going to be a big beginning, but it's not really going to start the trial until next Tuesday. So here's the Juno situation. Juno is, was, the, was the third of the four asteroids to be discovered. Without getting into the whole thing of its discovery chart and so on, when positive, Juno represents being an advocate for peace and harmony and civility. You, if you go into uh, the mythology of Juno and Jupiter, basically considered wife and husband in Greek in Roman mythology. In Greek mythology, their names were Hera and Zeus. You'll find a lot of how astrologers work with this asteroid in, in the birth chart. So positively, Juno has a lot to do with empowerment in primary partnerships. It has a lot to do with um, the search for beauty and elegance and grace and refinement. In ancient temples in, in, uh, in Rome, there were temples of Juno, and women would go there in order to make themselves beautiful, like what we might call spas now, or beauty parlors and things like that. So traditionally, Venus is the planet of love, it's the planet of beauty, but we didn't have access to the asteroids. And once we had access to the asteroids, the four main asteroids, we were able to, particularly through the work of Eleanor Bach, Demetra George, the poor Dobbins, a number of other people who, again, I can't name everybody. We then sort of had the old um, goddess and god uh, archetypes that were approximately, I believe, 12 in number. Um, so there was more of a kind of Mount Olympian balance between feminine and masculine. 
And so therefore the work of Eleanor Bach and the other astrologers who brought um, the, the empowerment to the four main asteroids and in using them in the chart. Now there are a lot of people now who do astrology and they put dozens of asteroids in. There's a whole area of astrology where the, the name of the asteroids and these small planetary bodies that are primarily orbiting between Mars and Jupiter. And I've shared before, they're either re the remains of a, of a protoplanet that existed a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's whole, the whole story of George Lucas and Alderaan and Star Wars, which I articulated um, in, in the, I guess it was the podcast series, let's see, 26, 27, 28. Yeah, that would be right, 26, 27, 28. The Astrological Secret of Star Wars. So um, we don't know how the asteroid belt was created. Uh, one, my main mentor, Dane Rudyard, suggested that it may have never been a planet and never came together. In other, in other words, it wasn't like a planet exploded, although that was what's called the exploding um, planet hypothesis of now an astronomer, Tom Van Flandren, who I did know and I had communicated with and who was on Coast to Coast, along with Richard Hoagland. You may know his name because of everything regarding the face on Mars. And he is also somebody that I talked to a long time ago, and he's written a whole bunch of books. But Tom Van Flandern um, passed away, and he was one of the major articulators of the exploding uh, planet hypothesis, not just for our solar system, but elsewhere. However the asteroids were created, what happened was is that the first four were discovered and were considered planets when they were discovered, but we didn't know how small they were, and instead of them being then considered planets, and they were named after goddesses from ancient Rome, they were then, shall we say, belittled. They were made into asteroids, which really means star-like bodies. And so they never had their place um, in what we call the ephemerides until Eleanor Bach in 1973. And as I've shared in some of those earlier podcasts, it's ironic that in the, big, in the development of now, the National Organization of Women, I believe it was 1966, and then this, the search for equal rights in America throughout the late 60s into the early 70s, astrology, when I got into it, was having its balance. And it basically a Juno experience of we needed fairness and balance and equality and a kind of creation of um, equanimity. And this is what Pa, pa, uh, this is what Juno, particularly in the sign Libra, where it's currently located, I'll get into all of that. So Juno and the sign Libra are somewhat synonymous, even though Venus is said to rule both Taurus and Libra. Juno and Pallas Athena have a lot to do with Libran qualities. Now, again, we're going to get into this in a, in a bigger way when we look at some of the key positions in the chart for Lev Parnas and Rachel Maddow. And so we'll, we'll get to that uh, pretty soon here. But I'm trying to give a more general understanding because what we're now seeing is the power of Juno in its uh, positive manner and its negative manner. So when, when Juno in, let's say we all have Juno in our charts and Juno is in every chart for anything, whether it's the beginning of a job, the oath of office for a president, um, selling a car, buying a car, it doesn't matter, whatever significant events, a marriage birth of a child, and so on, um, all kind, or a divorce for that matter. Um, every chart will have the different asteroids. And every chart 
these asteroids will either be operating on a low, middle, or high level. In fact, we have a report that we sell in the report section called Four Asteroids in Chiron. So if you've never studied the asteroids, go into um, the astrology shop, go into the report area, and you can actually see one or two sample reports before you even order it to see if it's something you like. And it's not about the current transits of those asteroids in your chart, but you'll get a good-sized description of where the four main asteroids are located in your birth chart, as well as Chiron, the signs that they're in, the houses, uh, some of the main aspects that they have, and you'll learn a lot more. So what I'm sharing now is also something that could be relevant to you, your loved ones, different kind of reports that you can get as long as you have your month, day, and year of birth. Hopefully you know your time of birth as exact as possible, city and state and country of birth. And you can order one of these. They're not that expensive and learn about these asteroids and Chiron in your chart. By the way, once we get to this factor in a moment, the closest alignment that exists in the United States birth chart, we never knew it when the United States was came into being in 1776. But since the discovery of the asteroids and using them in charts since 1973, and then discovery of Chiron in 1977, guess what? The closest alignment in the United States birth chart is Juno opposite Chiron. Juno opposite Chiron. 20 plus of Libra for Juno, 20 plus of Aries for Chiron. I've written about this a lot in the past in Welcome Planet Earth. I've shared about it again in this podcast, these series of podcasts. So this is the remarkable thing for tonight. Okay, so I do I do live Parnas's chart, and lo and behold, he has Juno at 19 plus degrees of Libra. Are you kidding me? 19 plus degrees of Libra. I didn't even know we knew his birthday, February 6, 1972. I do the chart. He's on TV on this very historic evening where the impeachment articles are going over to the Senate. We don't know what's going to happen. Most people feel it's a slam dunk. The president will be exonerated. He'll go around the country saying it was a witch hunt. It was a hoax. Um, the crazy Democrats uh, perpetrated this whole thing. And it was never on the level in the first place because he always has to be a winner. We know that everything has to be great and huge and winning. And so he needs to get the Senate to do this thing, and he, they will probably do it, whether they call witnesses or they don't call witnesses. But I find it amazing that on the eve of the whole thing starting, Rachel Maddow has this interview with this guy, and I'm, there probably are other astrologers who've already done the chart and so on, but did they know this, that he has Juno at 19 plus of Libra, and that Juno is returning right now, which can only happen every about four years, that's an asteroid cycle. Plant the asteroids have about a three and a half to five year cycle, depending on where they are and retrogrades and so on. So his Juno is at nineteen plus of Libra. Okay, the United States Juno is at twenty plus of Libra, right at the same spot, and Juno is there now. I mean, we're talking about three Junos. This guy, who's on TV with Rachel Maddow, with this amazing interview saying Trump knew all these things, Barr knew all these things, you know, Pompeo was in the loop, or whatever. all the different people, Giuliani, they were all, this had nothing to do with outing corruption, and the whole thing about the U.S. ambassador um, to the Ukraine, where they were monitoring her and doing all these kind of things, um, which is another whole issue that should be investigated by the State Department, and apparently they're not doing their job, which again brings 
uh, Mike Pompeo into the mix of, is he going to support his ambassadors and different people, or is he not? I mean, he's in charge of that department, doesn't seem to be doing it. So, um, and we've got all these distractions, of course, what happened with Iran, and why, why did that happen? Was that a kind of wag the dog story now? You know, did, was that one of the juggling balls that the president and the administration threw out, knowing that we're not only going to have the impeachment kind of thing, but we've got this Lev Parnas guy out there. We've got Giuliani and unindicted co-conspirators and trials and other things about to, you know, as they would say, the blank hitting the fan. Um, so, again, when you look at the chart, we can go through the whole thing here, there, which I will go through some of the other positions in a moment. In fact, it was looking at some of the other positions when I looked at his chart. I hadn't yet looked at Rachel Maddow's chart, but then I realized, hey, this is the combination. It's her and him. It's him and her. If she hadn't gone after the interview, this wouldn't be happening. So she's as equal in importance as he is, if not more, because she's got the ability to do the interview and have it happen at a significant moment and then have it on TV and have it on for two nights. So the timing of this is amazing. The synchronicity of this is amazing. So what I just looked up is Okay, aside from our Vesta returning, which was a whole big thing and is still happening, Vesta having to do with safety and security issues for the nation, uh, and I've articulated about that, because if you go back to the, uh, to the inauguration chart of Trump and Pence of January 20th, 2017, as I've shared, the only retrograding planet was, was Vesta. It was at the bottom of that chart and exactly opposite the United States Pluto, the planet that's going to be returning to create extreme waves of transformation across the board for our country in the next administration, three times in 2022 and almost again in 2023. So really both of those years are, are heavily Plutonic. And after that, Pluto will go into Aquarius. And I've shared, and we'll share again about all the planetary conjunctions this year, Mars conjunct Saturn at zero of Aquarius on March 31st, Pallas Athena making a station at zero of Aquarius in May, and the great Jupiter conjunct Saturn on December 21 of this year at zero of Aquarius, which launches what, what we call one of the great mutation cycles, Jupiter and Saturn coming together every 20 years. They've been doing it mostly in Earth science since 1841, except for the three conjunctions in Libra at the time of John Lennon's murder and the near assassination of President Reagan. That was in 1981 at the end of 1980 and twice in 1981, Jupiter and Saturn converged in Libra three times. Then they came back in Taurus in the Gore-Bush uh, uh, election of, of 2000. And now we're going to have Jupiter and Saturn go into Aquarius. And for the next 160 to 180 years, for the most part, not every time, but for the most part, Jupiter and Saturn will be in air signs every 20 years, starting this December of 2020. And this is why there are the president and the vice president are both Geminis. It's why uh, Giuliani is a Gemini. It's why uh, Barr is a Gemini. There's so many Geminis, and I, I can't even keep track of all. Nadler uh, in charge of the uh, Judiciary Committee is another Gemini. And uh, I always forget the guy's name, the, the lawyer for the presidency who's no longer doing that lawyering work. And I just always keep forgetting his name, who also is a sun sign Gemini. So all of these people who have Gemini, and again, Gemini is a terrific sign. And 
all kind of amazing people who are sun sign Geminis and have Gemini rising and the moon in Gemini and planets in Gemini can be extraordinary and powerful and incredible, but it also has a low level and it has a low level that's kind of skitzy and sometimes very duplicitous and like every other sign. So if, if Gemini is expressed in a low way, then we don't get the higher qualities, which are always good to have if possible. So having said all that, Juno is returning in America's birth chart, and it's going to happen on January 19th, which is only, what, three days from now. The degree for the United States is 20 Libra 28. That's where it was uh, on July 4th of 1776. We didn't know it was there until Juno was then discovered in, I believe it was 1804. Uh, I think was the year Juno was discovered. But again, we didn't have the ephemeris to track it until, uh, or to begin to track it until 1973. The second Juno return is going to be February 27th of this year, 2020. So by retrograde motion, uh, Juno, which um, will be in retrograde motion at that point, will come back again to its natal position for the United States. And the third of these will be on August 19th. So we're getting three Juno returns to its own position. And what I'm saying is tonight, when uh, Lev Parnas was on, we, we see that when he was born, Juno was at 19 plus of Libra, the same placement for the United States. But here's the, the kicker. It was also stationary and not moving. On the day he, he was born, well, right after, within 24 hours, and with stations, Really, it's a couple of days before and after. So he's born at a Juno station. And while Juno can represent elegance and, and grace and beauty and the search for peace and harmony and balance and fairness, and it does have a lot of other things on Monday in astrology, the shadow side is when people feel anger and rage because they feel made, made to be small or belittled. It's the smallest of the four main asteroids. And again, if you go through the mythology of Juno, Jupiter, or Hera and Zeus, you see that the kind of all-powerful mythology of the great Jupiter and Zeus, king of the gods, lightning, thunderbolts, and all of these kind of things, where the shadow side is, is arrogance um, or pride uh, in particular, overdoing things. And so Jupiter can have its negative qualities. And in terms of the relationship or the husband-wife type of relationship, or as they would say, consort, they would say Juno is the consort of Jupiter. And so in some mythologies, they made them into brother and sister, whereas in most of them, it's husband and wife. And because of all the dalliances and all the improprieties of Jupiter, and we see that a lot in the President of the United States, whether people want to accept it or not, the different dalliances or escapades with women. And this is right out of the playbook from ancient mythology of the behavior of that god. And again, Trump is born, uh, the president is born when Jupiter is not moving, as I've explained before. He's born at a total lunar eclipse. Uh, which was a full moon and all kinds of other things. And so those are other either attributes or negativities. So um, let's, now that I've sort of pointed this out, <laughs> there are so many other things. So there's really four, four Juno positions here that are amazing, just right off the bat. This doesn't even, doesn't even include Rachel Maddow in her chart yet, which I'll get to in a moment. We've got the United States has Juno at 20 plus of Libra. It's part of the most exact 
aspect in the United States birth chart, Juno opposite Chiron, with which is its own own world. Then we find out that this key person, who's an indicted individual, okay, who does speak English very well and has been in the United States for, since he was a kid, three years old. So that's already forty some odd years. I mean, the person is forty, going to be forty eight years old, and so he's spent his whole life in and around in America and so on. So his Juno is on the United States Juno while Juno is returning to that spot three times in this key year, and he's born when that celestial body is not moving. So, you know, you can't get it any more astounding than that. Now, a couple of things about his chart, because then I'll move on to Rachel and some other things, and hopefully it'll be... There's a lot of other notes I have here, but at least for... I'm laughing because this is just so extraordinary about how empowering all this is. And this is not something I plan to do. So I'm, this is kind of really flying by the seat of my pants here. Okay, so um, what do I want to say here? He's a sun sign Aquarius. His sun and Ceres, the largest asteroid, are exactly opposite one another. And this brings up what I shared in the first Star Wars, The Secret of Star Wars, the whole idea that in the first Star Wars movie, George Lucas has this planet, Alderaan, we all know the movie, which is destroyed by the Death Star. Okay, remember Princess Leia and Obi-Wan, the whole situation going on, and they use the Death Star um, to show the power of, of what they've got, the Empire. And it astounds everybody that they blew up a planet. Well, that is what happened with Ceres, or apparently in our own asteroid belt. And as I explained, George Lucas is born on May 14 of 1944, and his son in Taurus is exactly on the discovery position of the asteroid Ceres, 23 plus a Taurus. Now that's another asteroid, but Ceres is monumentally important with the asteroids because it's the largest one, and it's exactly in the solar system where there should be a planet according to what's called Bode's Law. So Mercury is where Mercury Mercury is where a planet should be in that orbit. Venus is where it should be in that orbit. Earth is where it should be. Mars is where it should be. Jupiter is where it should be. Saturn is where it should be. Between Mars and Jupiter, there should be a planet, one big planet. And Ceres is exactly where that planet should be. And it is actually there, and it is round, and it is has been visited by the Dawn spacecraft that went to both Ceres and uh, this is a number of years ago, and pictures were taken of both Ceres and Vesta by this remarkable NASA trip called Dawn. They discovered all kinds of things, and now apparently there is an undersea ocean there on Ceres, just like we know that under Pluto there may be water, on Enceladus, the, one of the great moons on uh, Saturn, there may be water, Mars may have had water, they're finding water everywhere, Europa with Jupiter and other places. Uh, in the solar system. So we know that life is there. Eventually we will find it. And Ceres is is part of this whole thing. And George Lucas was able to sort of bring it to our attention. And we've just had the final nine ninth of the Star Wars movies, even though he no longer owns the whole thing. And it went to Disney, which I explained. So a couple of these other positions. Now, again, in, his, in the Lev Parnas chart, it's not his exact time. We don't know what that is. But I find it astounding that he is born, uh, remember, I brought up a heliotype of chart. Um, I brought that up in 
the first one it's it's podcast um 29 about the killing of uh, the Iranian general Soleimani and I used a helio chart as well as a geocentric chart because I wanted to bring up the fact that um, the reason I really got into that particular uh, podcast was that I noticed from the heliocentric perspective when he was killed which is only less than two weeks ago on January 3rd if you can believe that we've already gone through that whole thing with the fear of war and possibly even getting into war, and then that has sort of backed off temporarily. And let's not forget, in the Astra Flash section of the of our website, in the Earth Aquarius News area, we have Astra Flash articles. And I had brought up about the power of this last full moon on January 10th, which just happened, let's see, five days ago, was the full moon and a Sun-Earth-Mercury uh, lineup, what we call the superior conjunction of Sun and Mercury. And the outer planet Uranus, the planet of radical change, um, shocks, surprises, intuition, lightning-like realizations, that planet was stationary. All This is all five days ago. And since then, we've had eight conjunctions of the Sun and Mercury and Ceres and Saturn and Pluto all in Capricorn. And this has been part of the thing that has equated with the, the what happened in Iran, what happened in the Persian Gulf. And what has been happening around the around the Earth? So many destructive things, including that airplane being shot out of the sky, and the lies that had happened from the Iranians, and then ha- admitting that it was missile fire where they thought it was American aircraft. So this has all been happening, and we're still in the midst of a very intense cycle of parallels of planets, Mars and Saturn. In fact, today we just had uh, Mars and Saturn. 45 degrees apart today, the 15th. By the way, tomorrow, as the whole um, impeachment saga goes over to the Senate, we're going to have Moon conjunct Juno. It'll happen in Libra at 8.30 at night. So here's another example of the importance of of Libra and Juno in this particular position and the the Lev Parnas um, energy. But again, back to what I was just saying. From the heliocentric perspective, Lev Parnas is born when the Earth and Ceres are together. He, In his geocentric chart, the Sun in Aquarius is opposite his Ceres in Leo. By the way, of the four main asteroids, in fact, of all the celestial bodies at the Declar- Declaration of Independence, only one is stationary, Ceres, the largest asteroid in the sign Pisces, which is the whole idea of the melting pot of all different races and nationalities, ethnic groups coming to America and making America what it is, as well as the fact that we are the breadbasket, so to speak, uh, to the world. Cereals and grains, even though in the in the nutritional movement, they're very down on cereals and grains for various reasons. But nevertheless, whether it's corn, whether it's wheat, um, whether it's America's role of um, the president of the United States is always upset that we're giving money to certain countries and other countries are not. And what I find mostly offensive is a $750 billion, we call it the defense budget, and it's really a whole lot of that is for weapons of war. And that's the the greatest outrage of all, because when people say, oh, uh, you know, uh, health care for all, we can't do it, it's too expensive, or education for all and going to college, we can't do it. Of course we can do it if we would just not be arming the world with military weapons and planes and missiles and so on, which is what we're doing, all because 
part of the shadow side of being a sun sign cancer country is we're afraid. We're afraid that something bad is going to happen to us. And so it's like closing in on the crab shell because of the tenderness and sensitivity of who we are all as a collective entity under the surface as part of what we are as a sun sign cancer nation. We have Venus, we have Jupiter, we have Mercury retrograde when we're born as a country as well as the sun. And so that's part of the Cancerian nation. Well, again, Lev Parnas, for what it's worth, is revealing a lot of the series energy of the melting pot. Are we, are we going to be the world's policemen at the same time that, we, that he, in fact, he's born in Odessa, Ukraine, came to America. So he's a perfect example of someone who's come here. Now, he hasn't been on the right side of the law. He got involved in a whole bunch of messy, illegal things of what he was doing over there and is now attempting to be honest about it. In fact, tonight he apologized for his treatment and his um, attitude toward uh, Maria, I can't remember how to pronounce her last name, but the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine that they were monitoring uh, in all kinds of terrible ways and who has not been supported by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo as well as other people in the State Department. There is something going on there that is really negative. Um, a couple of the things, though, in his chart, which which are interesting, he has, Lev Parnas has Uranus with Juno. So that represents why he's helping to shake up the whole Juno energy field to create disempowerment of, of the president and the vice president, attorney general, and these different people in power positions. And this is so close to where the president has Jupiter in Libra stationary. So the Juno return in the United States chart, the fact that Juno is coming back three times, the fact that Lev Parnas has Juno there, that he's born when Juno is stationary, and that he has Juno with Uranus, while the president of the United States has Jupiter nearby. So this whole match between Jupiter and Juno and the mythology, the ancient mythology in Roman Greek mythology of the two of those energy fields of the feminine and the masculine, and um, when we go around the chart, the reason why I, I decided to get into um, the chart for Rachel Matter, which we'll turn to in a moment, is I suddenly saw that in Lev Parnas's chart, guess what? He has Venus in Pisces, which I had known that Rachel Matter was born with the sun in Aries and moon in Pisces. I remembered that from the past. So when I saw Lev Parnas's chart and I thought, okay, Rachel Matter has gotten this amazing interview this guy has Venus in Pisces and Vesta in Pisces near her moon. And I thought, well, that's maybe part of the reason this is even happening, aside from the fact that he's such a powerful Juno figure. And in this case, it's more of uh, a person who's sort of um, attempting to balance things out by articulating, at least from his standpoint, what the truth is that is not being admitted by, by the president or Giuliani or Barr or Pompeo or anybody else. So to me, when I was watching it, I'm not saying I'm a perfect judge of character, he did not seem to be, he seemed to be very open and um, honest about it all. Now, again, he's going to be disparaged 100% by all the people in power positions. They're just going to say, you know, he has an axe to grind. He's going to be going to jail. He's just trying to throw all of us under the bus. So you pretty much know what's going to happen. But there are papers, there's emails, there's voicemails, there's other things, and that will be interesting. So um, there are many other positions in this chart. I'm not going to go over all of them. What I'd like to do is turn to Rachel Maddow for a moment, because this is really very interesting here, how this works. Oh, before we do that, 
One of the things I did check out with Lev, um, Lev Parnas, and I've shared this before, are looking at things like the new moon before the birth of somebody or, or the full moon. And it, the reason that is so sensational and so amazing is the new moons and full moons have exact time. So even if we find even one of, if it's, it could be your chart and you don't know your time of birth, but we go back to the new moon or full moon. And my mentor, Dane Rudyard, in a book called The Lunation Cycle that he wrote in the 1940s, brought up this concept that we're all born during some cycle or another of the sun and the moon. We're either born right after new moon or at new moon or near a first quarter moon or full moon or last quarter or disseminating moon. There are different phases of the moon, of the sun-moon cycle. And if we go back before our birth, there's either a new moon or a full moon. You can calculate the exact time of that. So it turns out that the new moon before the birth of uh, Lev Parnas was at 25 plus of Capricorn, which is exactly, exactly where right now the sun is located on that position. That can only happen once a year. And there's other planets like Ceres and, and Mercury and Saturn and Pluto all congregating. So the whole Capricornian energy that has been so dreadful since January 10th, and which was in one of the Astro Flashes, you can still read that article on Great Bear Enterprises in our Great Bear, in our, um, excuse me, in our Earth Aquarius News section is where if you go there on the top of the front page of Great Bear Enterprises to Earth Aquarius News, you'll see a couple of Astro Flash articles. And one was uh, concerning Osama bin Laden and Qasim Soleimani born within one day of each other in 1957. That was one of the astounding things I saw with the whole Iranian Persian Gulf crisis at the beginning of the year. But the Astro Flash before that, I had um, offered to present um, some of the cosmic calendar entries, January 10, January 12, January 13, that have just passed to show the congregation of Capricornian energies. So here, the new moon before birth, which has an exact chart that could be done before Lev Parnas's birth, which represents the articulation of the sun and moon energies before he incarnated as a soul, uh, in January was an was an annular eclipse. Um, I believe it's January 16. I can't even read my own writing at this point, but it was approximately January 16 of 1972. 25 plus a Capricorn, exactly where the sun is illuminating right now. And the total, and before he was born even closer to his birth, there was a full moon, total lunar eclipse. Now remember, President Trump is born on the day of a total lunar eclipse from Gemini Sagittarius. So here's this person who actually is connected to Donald Trump and Giuliani, who's spilling the beans that the president was in the loop, knew all these things. So did the vice president. So did William Barr. So did all these different people about what was happening in Ukraine and outing the Bidens and so on. His premise, Lev Parnas, is that the, the president of the United States is lying when he says he doesn't know who Lev Parnas is and he wasn't involved and he didn't do this and he didn't do that, that it's all a big lie. If you believe him, then you believe him. If you don't, then you don't. But here's the amazing thing. The total lunar eclipse before he was born, which is, it was a full moon, just happened to be a total lunar eclipse, at 9 degrees Aquarius 39 minutes, at nine degrees Leo, 39 minutes from basically nine plus of Aquarius to nine plus of Leo. Why is that important? Because in Donald Trump's birth chart, his Pluto, remember plutocracy, government by the wealthy, government by the powerful, not always necessarily the greatest thing, which is why we didn't ever elect a, a President Perot, why we probably won't elect a President Steyer 
or President Bloomberg in the Democratic Party, but we have a President Trump who is a billionaire one way or another. May, it may not be on the level of uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, over $100 billion. It's nowhere near that. And as I shared somewhat comically, when the president was running uh, for the presidency, the I think it was Forbes magazine had him tied with George Lucas at about either $4.3 or $3.4 billion in terms of their net worth. And I'm sure the president of the United States didn't appreciate that very much because he always needs to be a winner. He can't be tied with George Lucas, who now actually has a net worth since he sold the Star Wars uh, franchise, Lucasfilm, to Disney. He now is the second largest holder of, Dis of Disney stock, and he's, his net worth is maybe doubled at $6 billion. I know we're going far afield here, but just bear with me. So that... Aquarius Leo, total uh, lunar eclipse, full moon before Lev Parnas came into uh, Earth in his incarnation, is on the Pluto for President Trump, which is 10, 10 plus degrees of Leo. So his own Plutonic energy, and he is very Plutonic, the President of the United States. I've shared this before, even though he has Jupiter stationary, Neptune stationary, he's got Mars on the ascendant, which is connected um, to Benjamin Netanyahu's Mars, which is Israel's Mars, and which is why he's so martial uh, in his behavior, because he has Mars near the ascendant of the chart, and people who have Mars rising, one way or another, have to express that Mars. And he he is a very martial-type individual, uh, kind of uh, aggressive, assertive, over-the-top, um, too much ego, too much self. I mean, not all Leos are like that. Leos can be uh, when I say Leo's, he's, he's got Leo rising uh, with Mars near the ascendant, with Pluto in that particular sign. And he's got what's called Regulus, the little king of the heart star of the constellation of Leo right on the ascendant, which is part of the whole reincarnational energy of the President of the United States about being a king. But he doesn't like being a little king. He wants to be a big king. And the star that's rising in his chart, which goes one of the great stars in our in uh, the milky way in terms of the sky itself it's also a very prominent magnitude one star and in esoteric astrology it's said that the energies of sirius the dog star the brightest star from our vantage point which is uh, home to all kinds of incredible spiritual intelligences and all kinds if you get into all that you can study more about sirius the, the dog star at Lucis Trust, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org, all the great Alice Bailey books that I was so fortunate to be a part of before I went to Findhorn back in the 70s, and where she was inspired by the Tibetan master D.K. And there's over 24 volumes, uh, whether you read Esoteric Astrology um, and so many of the other books that mention um, the constellation of the Great Bear, the seven stars of the Great Bear and the Big Dipper. Um, the star Sirius, which is really a double star system. It's actually, I believe, even a triple star system. There may be a smaller star there as well. And there's a whole amazing history esoterically about the double star system of Sirius, but it's considered to be sort of the greater home of our, what we would call our higher hierarchy or our level of masters and teachers and higher divine beings who help to um, keep things hopefully relatively peaceful on earth over the millennia.
and um, then also the star system of the Pleiades. So that triplicity of the Great Bear, Sirius, and the Pleiades is a is a big and important part of esoteric astrology. At any rate, um, President Trump does have a connection. It, in some cases, on the right, they feel he is a a divine type of figure. On the left, they they look at that and think it's more the emperor's new clothes. So we've got these div divergent viewpoints. I know where I stand uh, in this whole thing, and I wish we had a more calm uh, understanding politically and socially and economically and educationally going on here instead of the situation we have, but it is what it is. So Rachel Maddow comes into the picture here. Um, let me end on this note. So um, here's the extraordinary thing with her. Um, the fort the vest position for Lev, Lev Parnas is 14 plus a Pisces. When I saw that, I also realized, oh my goodness, that is the degree of the progressed sun and the progressed palace Athena that started all these podcasts from last May with the Mueller report and knowledge and wisdom and justice and and um, the whole search for truth and higher understanding in what was happening with President Trump and the government and truth and lies and what was right. So the United States progressed son was focused at that degree as well as the progressed palace Athena at 14 plus of Pisces. This is where Vesta is in Lev Parnas's chart. So why is this important? Well, Rachel Maddow was born April 1 of 1973 at 12.23 p.m. in Hayward, California. And that's from a birth certificate time. So her chart is shown, Sun and you'll see Sun and Aries near the top of her chart with Venus and the, the faraway planet Eris. They're all in Aries. And um, at the same time, she's got late Cancer rising. We'll get into this in a moment. But I went and looked at her new moon before birth, which happened on March 4th of 1973, 14 plus of Pisces. So she's actually integrated and she's been doing so many of the different stories about the Mueller report. And what I didn't realize was that um, in terms of her connection with Pallas Athena and the fact that the United States secondary progressed son and the secondary pro progressed Pallas Athena made this rare conjunction this last year, it's still very close. But it had never happened before in the whole history of America, and it won't happen again for the secondary progressed sun and the secondary progressed palace Athena to come together again. That won't happen for maybe 400 plus years. So what I was articulating in podcast 1 through 17 about palace Athena and the sun in the USA progressed chart at 14 plus of Pisces, I found all these different correspondences. And now we find it again with Lev Parnas having Vesta, one of the asteroids at that position, and the new moon before birth of April Maddow, on, uh, the new moon being on March 4th, 1973, at 14 plus Pisces. By the way, that's also integrated with the new major primary date that's coming up in six weeks after we, we have the Iowa caucuses and the different primaries in New Hampshire, let's say if we get this right, Nevada and South Carolina, those four, then we have the March 3rd event. I think it's March 3rd. Let me just make sure because it's a Tuesday. And yeah, March 3rd, Tuesday, March 3rd. California, Texas. California in particular used to have a primary in June. They've moved up. There's an enormous number of states, which is why everyone's going to be looking at that time, March 3rd, 
when the sun is at 14 plus Pisces. So between March 3rd and March 4th of this year, the USA progressed sun in, is at that spot and the transiting sun will be there. And I'll have more to say about all that. So Rachel Matters, new moon before birth, is at 14 plus of Pisces. Now, she is not necessarily connected in her own chart to the Juno at 19, 20 of Libra, the three returns of Juno, but she is the catalyst as a woman on TV who's articulating all of this, who brought Lev Parnas out, who's born with the Juno position on the United States Juno and his stationary Juno. And in particular, one of the things I, in the past I used to associate as a mundane example was Barbara Walters um, coming in as the first main um, female evening reporter um, was a good example because she's a sun sign Libra, okay, representing that kind of energy. Also, Jesse Jackson, who did so much work, still alive with the Rainbow Coalition. He's born with a Sun-Juno conjunction on the United States Saturn in Libra. And J Jesse Jackson did so much in terms of uh, labor and labor unions and management. He would often show up at labor disputes and he became a catalyst to resolve those difficulties. He's also the person who got one of our flyers during, I think it was the Carter administration. He flew over to Syria one of our flyers, I don't remember the exact story, uh, someone in the Navy had been taken either by uh, Bashar al-Assad's father, um, the previous dictator of Syria, somewhere there. I think it was him. might have been somebody else, but I think it was him. And then, uh, and then Jesse Jackson with his son conjunct Juno in Libra went over there. And, and because as, as a, a leader in the minority community in the United States, um, a dictator or somebody from another country was able to sort of utilize him as a kind of uh, fair, balanced, equitable individual. And then he was able to do a lot of things that a lot of other people were not able to do because of his Libra and energy. So the whole concept of Libra and Juno is very big in the United States chart. As I said, the closest alignment is Juno opposite Chiron. In a few more years, we'll have another Chiron return. Chiron comes back every 49 to 51 years to its position at 20 plus Aries. By the way, the New York Stock Exchange um, has an energy field with the moon close to this whole polarity. And so uh, a lot of people may be saying, well, what's going to happen with the stock market? Well, Juno is making three returns to 20 plus of Libra, and that's opposite the United States, uh, the, um, sorry, the New York Stock Exchange moon position, and it is also opposite our Chiron position, and Chiron has a lot to do with wounds physically and emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the healing of those wounds. It has a lot of other meanings having to do with being a catalyst and rainbow bridges between personality and soul, keys that open doors to higher consciousness, connections to things like UFOs and ETs, uh, deja vu, uh, mantras, meditation, yoga, uh, even the whole field of astrology itself, um, the fields like uh, tarot, numerology, what we call the mantic arts, oracles, they're all connected to Chiron and the whole concept that Rod Serling brought in of the Twilight Zone. In fact, Rod Serling was born in 1924 at a Chiron return for the United States. And 
Um, so the Twilight Zone concept is very much a part of, of Chiron. Uh, I've shared this before, the day that President Kennedy was killed, Chiron was stationary. When Pearl Harbor happened, Chiron was stationary. Um, when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was murdered that led to World War I, Chiron was, was stationary uh, near that point. When we landed um, the first human being on the moon, Chiron, again, powerful and stationary. So at a lot of times when we're thrown out of what we might call chronological time, and again, Zane Stein, one of the great Chiron researchers, coined the term chirological time. So chirological time is kind of twilight zone time. It's when we're out of chronological time, we're not in the door or in the world of whatever is beyond time, what we might call eternity or duration beyond time. So we're in this other dimension. And Rod Serling with his Twilight Zone series literally had Chiron at his birth conjunct the United States Chiron. So you can't get more Twilight Zone than that. And he lived a Chiron cycle of 50 years and then he died when Chiron was in the process of coming back to its own position. Uh, this is not all that weird. Um, we've had this situation where Mark Twain, who was born Samuel Clemens, came in with Halley's Comet um, back in 1830, I want to say. I don't have the chart in front of me. Halley's Comet has a 76, 75 to 76-year cycle. And he predicted, he said, I, I came in with Halley's Comet and I, and I believe I'll go out with it. And he died and Halley's Comet came back. So was he almost a personification of the cosmic Halley's Comet? Um, the same thing with Sir William Herschel, who was the German emigre, who was in England, who was the astronomer and mathematician who lived in Bath, England. And at, at the beginning of 1781, on March 13th, uh, discovered Uranus, wanted to name it after King George III, but luckily was persuaded to call it Uranus or Uranus uh, in honor of the, of the great um, Titan, uh, the father of Kronos, who, would then, who was then the father of Jupiter. So in a way, Uranus or Uranus is the grandfather figure of this arc between Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter. And uh, the, the, the amazing thing there, because I studied this so much, and I'm born when that planet is stationary and born with Aquarius rising. And I've done a lot of research about the Iranian forces and their energies, the, the ups and the downs. It's not always an easy planet to be connected with. Um, but try this on for size in terms of synchronicity. That planet has an 83 and three quarter year cycle. Often we say it, it, it has an 84 year orbit, but its orbit is actually 83 and three quarter years. The discoverer of Uranus, Sir William Herschel, lived to be exactly 83 and three quarters years old. So as above, so below. This was the ancient aphorism given to Hermes Trismegistus from ancient Egypt, who was supposedly involved in building the pyramids. Maybe a lot longer ago than, than we realize. Um, but that's where we get part of the saying of as above, so below. What's true in the heavens is is reflected in truth on earth, or what's true in the macrocosm is reflected in truth in the microcosm. So it is extraordinary to realize that a person like Lev Parnas has the Juno placement that's identical to the United States Juno from 1776, and that he appears in this prominent form via Rachel Maddow, who has 
a, a whole bunch of other connections. By the way, her son Venus, I wanted to say this, her son Venus, Eris, triple conjunction in Aries, is conjunct Lev Parnas's Chiron. Uh, so that's a major conjunction between the two of them. Her moon in Pisces is close to her to his Venus. She has Mercury at 16 of Pisces, which is within a degree and a half of his Vesta. She also has Mars conjunct Jupiter in Aquarius, conjunct his Mercury. She also has the nodes of the moon, fate and destiny oriented, from 12 plus a Capricorn to 12 plus a Cancer, and the United States Sun is 13 plus a Cancer. So the nodes of the moon for her are connected to the United States Sun. She's just had Mars go over her Neptune, which is in the sign of Sagittarius. And she also has an exact conjunction of Vesta with Saturn at 15 plus a Gemini, almost precise, in her 11th house, which is an Aquarian energy. So Vesta for her, Vesta is very strong with Nancy Pelosi's chart in Taurus because she has Vesta conjunct the United States Vesta with Venus and Uranus there. And Rachel Maddow uses Vesta conjunct Saturn because Vesta has a lot to do with national safety and security. It has a lot to do with kind of the secret, uh, if you study Eleanor Box, well, in many ways you can't do it because she had a periodical, that she, uh, Planet Watch, that was like what we did with Welcome to Planet Earth. Hers was a journal. So unless you have old copies of that, um, you may not be able to see some of her writing. She did write for a while with Welcome to Planet Earth. And one of her main books was more spiral bound and I don't think was ever made into a book. So it's not that easy to get into all of Eleanor Bach's teachings. But Vesta, I did a whole story about Vesta related to Nazi Germany. It's part of the shadow side of Vesta because Vesta has a lot to do with with um, the eternal flame, for instance, uh, at President Kennedy, President Kennedy's cemetery plot at Arlington National T Cemetery, um, Jackie Kennedy created the eternal flame that's there burning all the time. So the concept of the eternal flame relates back to Vesta, it relates back to ancient temples and priestesses in ancient Rome and Greece and other areas. Um, it's, it's kind of the idea of the fire principle. It represents the sister archetype. So sisterhood on a very strong spiritual level, but it also has a lot on a shadow level to do with um, embassies and diplomats and uh, home and hearth and land. Um, the whole kind of thing of what Hitler was searching for with uh, more living space. The, the reason why he wanted, he attacked Russia um, after they had created their non-aggression pact and he created the same problem that Napoleon created where they wind up losing their empire and destroying themselves because they want more land, they want more power, they want more influence. So this whole idea of what do you own, you know, beyond your, your home and your residence, the whole idea of home and hearth is Vesta, of what you call home, but on a larger scale, nationally and in terms of uh, mundane or earth astrology, embassies, uh, dipl diplomats and those kind of things. But the soul sister energy is very strong for her because she has Vesta with Saturn in Gemini in, in the Aquarian house. So her need to articulate and, and share about this in an educational way and also in more of a group manner. I mean, to have so many different broadcasts and be a part of the team on MSNBC, which is disparaged a lot. But nevertheless, her son Venus conjunction is what we call sextile or in a supportive relationship to that Vesta and Saturn energy. And so there are some amazing connections all over the place that she has. 
Um, by the way, transiting Uranus now is on top of her Sedna. I've shared a lot about Sedna, which is another faraway planet like Eris. So she ha is having that situation. And um, also what's happening is that, let me see what um, I wanted to say here. Her Chiron is up, uh, up above. So she also, through her communications, is a healer through Chiron and also a pioneer because she has Chiron in Aries. It's close to the midhaven of the top of her chart, along with Eris, which is considered um, as a faraway planet in mythology. Eris was the sister of Mars. She had a lot to do with the start of the Trojan War. And a lot of what um, Rachel Maddow reports about, whether we realize it or not, has to do with kind of the war within our own government between what we might call the deep state that is is accused of from the past of, of being uh, surreptitious and doing all these dastardly things, as well as the development of new, shall we say, new deep state energy from what's happening now within the government uh, in, in a kind of battle of supremacy between one level of empowering forces versus another. I'll get into that another time. Um, Okay, so there are a number of other things that are very prominent in her chart. Oh, yeah, Juno. Her Juno, this is, I'm glad I reminded myself of this. So let's end the, on this note, because again, we're at over an hour. It's a long sharing. I didn't mean it to be this long, but like one of the recent podcasts, um, it just had to be this way. So let's end on this note. Where is her Juno? 22 of Sagittarius. Why is that important? Well, that's exactly... President Trump's moon and opposite his sun because he's born at a full moon total lunar eclipse. So I've been sharing a whole lot about Juno, the importance of Juno in general, Juno returning in the United States chart, Juno being at that same position in Lev Parnas's chart, the fact that he is born at a Juno station. And here we have in this balance of, of these two, this, this great woman reporter and this unusual figure coming together on the evening of, of January 15th, and they'll have a second part tomorrow night, and her Juno is in Sagittarius. Also, that position is very important because in the United States birth chart, we have Mars at 21 plus a Gemini and Neptune at 22 plus a Virgo. They're in a square pattern, and part of the whole reason for the Civil War and the issues of slavery and what we've done to the Native Americans and not allowing women to have the right to vote and all the discrepancies with voting and other things in the battle and of politics in our country has a lot to do with Mars and Neptune being at right angles in a square pattern in the United States birth chart. And so she comes in with her Juno and Sagittarius and she activates the Mars-Neptune square. This is part of the reason why people on the right don't like her a whole lot because she they see her as an agitator and it's due to the fact that her Juno is activating the Mars and Neptune from July 4th of 1776. So that's one of the things. They also probably tune into the fact that she's a sun sign Aries and she's got Venus and Eris up near the top of her chart, as well as with Chiron. And by the way, interestingly, all of those are in a sense opposite Uranus, which she has in Libra. And so her she's born with a, with a uh, developing sun Uranus opposition, the president of the United States, who's often in her, you know, in her focus as a negative influence from her viewpoint, he has sun conjunct Uranus with the North Node. So he's a very Uranian figure, whether that is a positive Uranus or not, depends on 
how we look at the qualities of Uranus and whether a person's expressing them in a, in a low, medium, or high way. Um, but she's born when the sun is not with that planet, but is on the other side of the zodiac. So she's got an enormous amount of firepower through Aries, through Venus, the sun, Eris, and Chiron, all clustered together in the upper part of her chart and near the midhaven. So um, because of the time she's born, 1223, she's also been um, somebody out in the public eye and was always meant to do that. And with her can late Cancer rising, um, that means that the moon is considered the ruling planet in her chart and her, her moon is in Pisces. So the Cancer rising, the moon in Pisces with Mercury as well as in Pisces, that's a, a rather psychic, intuitive level of things which allows her to get into so many of these unusual storylines and and also lining up some incredible interviews uh, when you least expect it, like what just happened tonight. So on that amazing note, I'm going to end this very long uh, podcast, and I hope I don't have to do this again tomorrow. Let's just hope that this can remain and, and last for a while and that all of you will get something out of it, learn more about the asteroids and learn more about Lev Parnas and Rachel Maddow and the importance of Juno. And maybe some of you will decide to study more about the asteroids in your birth chart and look at some of the other podcasts that we've done uh, since last spring. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Many blessings and bye for now.